0: The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. The Jews disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. The Gospel of the Lord. As we continue reading from the Acts of the Apostles in the early church, we see how and why the church flourished so much in the early centuries to even overcome the Roman Empire. One of the main reasons is set out in today's first reading from Acts chapter nine, the willingness of the early Christians to tell their story, to give testimony about how Christ worked in their life. Saul was, as you know, and we just heard this, persecuting the church. He wanted to stamp it out before it even got started. He was arresting all kinds of Christians, and on his road to Damascus, he has this encounter. He's struck to the ground, blinded, and hears a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who are you, Lord? And the reply, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now, in that particular exchange, not only was Paul converted and he went on to be baptized, as we heard, but he had this insight which became a major part of his teaching in his letters. And that is that deep unity between Christ and the Church. What is Jesus really saying? Saul, when you're trying to stamp out the Church, you're persecuting the Church, you're actually persecuting me. Paul would go on to identify the church as the body of Christ. We are the church, we're the body of Christ. Christ the head, we the members, one Christ, one church. That would play a major part, not only in his teaching, but the way he lived. And here's an example, he says, now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, the church. That's Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. It's a very mysterious statement, but what he's really saying is there is such a close unity between Christ and the church that when we suffer persecution for the sake of the church, we unite our sufferings with Christ because of that deep union. There's that unity, so much so that Our suffering now takes on great significance, infinite proportions. And that's why Paul is able to say that. I rejoice in my sufferings and I fill up in my body what is lacking for your sake, the church, which is Christ's body. Well, he goes on to say in Romans chapter 12, and this has to do with how we are unified, each of us with each other. He says, we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Again, because of this deep unity. In baptism, we become united. We're incorporated into Christ and his church and in each other, because the same Christ that lives in you lives in your neighbor. And together, we are so united. We are that one body, the body of Christ, the church. That has huge significance. When one suffers, all of us suffer. When one is rejoicing, we all rejoice. That deep unity. This becomes even more clear when we hear the teaching of Jesus in today's gospel, John chapter six, this Eucharistic discourse, where he says, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. There's a mutual abiding we and Christ, because of the Eucharist that he instituted on Holy Thursday. So there's the correspondence between what Paul is saying and what Christ is saying. Such a deep unity. We're all members of that same body, and each member is very significant. He goes on to say, very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life within you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life. I will raise them up on the last day, for my flesh is true food and my blood true drink. Such significant passage. He's really telling us how to get to heaven. We are one body. We're getting to heaven as a unified whole, which is why we have an obligation, and this should be our passion, our zeal, to bring others into our unity through our life, our testimony, and our suffering. Today we celebrate the martyrdom of Saint Peter Chanel, born in 1803, but from an early age he wanted to unite his sufferings with Christ. He became a priest in 1831, joined the Marist, the congregation, and he wanted to be a missionary, but he was so gifted in his intellect that they had him teach at the seminary, which he really didn't want to do, but after a few years. They finally relented and he went to the Pacific Islands to spread the good news. He was so successful that he was converting the natives so that the local chief became suspicious, especially when the chief's own son wanted to be baptized. And that's when he sent his warriors to put Peter Chanel to death. But there's that suffering, there's that unity, and now he's in heaven. With all the saints praying for us. May we have that same passion, proclaiming the good news and willing to suffer for it for the sake of God's glory, Christ's body, the church.